did that song last instead of that one with that, ooh, that would have been stuck in my head. <laughs> I'd have been singing that to myself all day. But that was good, wasn't it? Amen. Well, good Man, I got two waters. I went from not enough to too many. Good morning, folks. It's good to see you this morning. I want to ask you to turn with me in your copy of God's Word to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 7. We're going to move out of, preach out of chapter 9. But I want to read a verse that you've all heard before. I don't know if you know this, but Isaiah, out of all the Old Testament prophets, there is more messianic prophecies directed toward Jesus Christ and his coming to earth than any other Old Testament book. More of them has been fulfilled already. Some haven't been. You'll see that today than any other Old Testament book. And Isaiah is the most quoted prophet of any Old Testament prophet by the Lord Jesus himself. And these are some verses that we look at, that we take for granted. We know this verse here, the New Testament writer in Matthew told us that Emmanuel, God with us, is Jesus. And so if you look right here, God gave us a sign in verse 14 of chapter 7. And it says, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. And behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us here on earth in the flesh. And then in chapter 9, I want us to read a couple of verses that are directed toward this child who would be born of a virgin. The child that he would give us a sign through him. And it is directed toward the Messiah of Israel, the world Savior. And it says in verse 6, for unto us a child is born. Unto us a servant is given, a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Father, we thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ, for, Lord, his coming and revealing himself to us. We thank you for, Lord, the word of God that prepared us through the Old Testament prophets of the coming one who would be your anointed, the Savior of the world, who would come and change things forever for us. And we thank you for the peace that he has brought, for the gift of his salvation, and for the difference he has made in not only our life, but this whole world that we live in. And we ask you today to speak to our hearts and show us things we've never seen about our Savior and his birth and the significance of his life. And help us to leave here even more convinced that he is the one who brings true meaning and purpose, and the only one who can save us of our sins. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, you look here, and in Isaiah 9 and 6, it declares both the humanity of Christ, when it says a child is born. He had to be born just like us, even though he was God, Emmanuel, God with us. But it also, in that same verse, reveals the deity of Christ because it says a son is given. Friend, Jesus didn't start when he was born. He already was. He just had to be born to enter into humanity and become one of us. 
No one describes it better than John in the beginning of his gospel when he says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with us, and the Word was God. Everything was created through him and by him. Without him, nothing was created. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory full of grace and truth. Jesus Christ, this son, this child born of a virgin. The virgin child, according to what we look at also in verse 7 though, would be also the royal son of David. With all the rights and all the privileges and the inheritance to the Davidic throne. In fulfillment of verse 7 This verse, the son will rule the nations of the world, that tells us. And his kingdom will have no end. And it is described primarily by it will be a time of peace. You know, we look at that today and we we look at the coming of Jesus. And we say, the first thing that was ever said when Jesus was born, the first announcement was given to some shepherds in a field. And it came from heaven by the angelic host. And if you think about it, the first thing it said about his announcement, the first thing that heaven proclaimed when Jesus was born, the Son of God, born of the Virgin, was this. Glory to God in the highest and peace on earth and goodwill to men. Friends, we look today and there's some people would say, well, if he's who he said he is, why is there not? more peace than what we see but I'm here to tell you my friend that it's because of him that we have the peace that we do have and I want to talk to us this morning a little while looking at the names of this child these names indicate the type of kingdom that he will rule when he comes and he's come once and he's coming again and just as these prophecies in Isaiah were fulfilled in Isaiah's day, and they were yet to be fulfilled in the day of the coming of the Lord. All of the prophecies have not yet been completely fulfilled. And as you look here, these titles, there's four of them. Three titles consist of two words each. Each of these have the intention probably to the parent to indicate the type of kingdom he's going to have. These titles elaborate and describe Emmanuel, the child born of a virgin. And I want you to look at these because this is the type of impact that he's going to have on the earth. And it says right there, and the government will be upon his shoulder, meaning that when this Messiah comes, this, this child who is born unto us, this son who has been given, the government will be upon his shoulder. Means he will, he will have responsibility. He will carry it. He will uphold it. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor. Friends, I don't know about y'all, but when I look at these names and I look at Jesus, friends, I'm going to tell you what. They said in the Bible when he was here, those who heard him said, no man ever spoke like this. No man ever had the wisdom and the counsel that this man had. You see, Wonderful Counselor, in contrast to the earthly natural leaders, this king, will implement supernatural wisdom in discharging his office. Friends, today, if you look around, I don't think anyone's got the wisdom to fix what we see going on to bring peace. And friends, Jesus, while he was here, no one has ever had the wisdom and the knowledge and the understanding and the, the unbelievable 
ability to counsel us with understanding and give us the wisdom that he had and will possess when he comes back. But not only is he a wonderful counselor with all the truth and all of the knowledge and wisdom that we so much need, but also it says that he will be mighty God. Now, friends, I look at this description as a Jew, and I can see how looking at this description of their coming Messiah, how they would have mistaken Jesus for not being the Messiah. Because it describes him as this wonderful counselor who's going to have wisdom above and beyond any earthly king. And he's mighty God. As a powerful warrior, this Messiah will accomplish military exploits that will allow him to rule all of the nations with an iron hand. That's what it says throughout the other scriptures. And that's what he's talking about. He's mighty God. And friends, you know, just as they missed Jesus, though, because they had an understanding of who they thought he was, I think the church today, because you have an understanding of who he was when he came the first time, You're not really looking for the one who's coming the second time. Because he's coming. He's brought peace. I'm going to show you. And he's changed the world. And he's brought counsel and wisdom. And gave wonderful counsel that no one's ever given. Life-changing counsel. Life-giving counsel. Life that changes you when you accept it as truth and apply it to your life. And he's mighty God. But friends, he's also everlasting Father. The Messiah will be a father to his people eternally. And as the Davidic king who claims the throne of David, he will compassionately care for his people with the love of a perfect father. He's not father, but he will be as a father to those who are his people. But guys, this is the one that I like to look forward to. Prince of Peace. If he's going to be able to bring lasting peace and keep peace, He's going to have to have wonderful counsel and wisdom like no one else we know. He's going to have to be a mighty God that can do amazing and whatever he wants to do and says he can do. And he's going to need love to be an everlasting father. But guys, the Bible says that he's the prince of peace. And listen, it says the government of this child who was born of the virgin, who will be king of kings, he will procure and perpetuate Peace among the nations of the world. Perfect peace. Not peace like we think of. The peace God intended for us to have. You know, look at what he says. It starts out, the first thing it says in verse 6. And the government will be upon his shoulder. Then it gives this description. He's wonderful counselor. Mighty God. Everlasting father. He's prince of peace. And I want you to look at verse 7. And of the increase of his government... And peace, not just government, not just his authority and his reign, but his peace will be, look what it says, everlasting. Look at that. There will be no end. So, you know, we look at this today and you say, well, where's this peace that the Bible spoke of that comes from Jesus? Well, you know, there's tons of different peace. You know, I started looking up peace and I was going to give you all some definitions But there's so many different understandings of what the world and the Bible, even people that interpret the Bible say peace is, that I just gave up. But I'm going to tell you this, peace, perfect peace, the peace that we all strive for cannot be earned. It cannot be bought. It cannot come from man. It can only come from God. And friends, if you look around, the peace that he's promised through Jesus is the peace of God. And friends, I don't know about y'all, but Jesus has brought some peace. 
You see, there's internal peace. There's the peace that we have inside of us, within our spirit. The peace of a calm and steady spirit. The peace of a heart that is not rattled with worry and anxiety and has something that gives it that serenity and that comfort, even in the midst of chaos. It comes from the goodwill of God. You see, when it said peace on earth and goodwill toward men, it does not mean all men. It blows your mind. It's available to all men. As a matter of fact, if you ever started looking up this verse and look at all the other translations that how they translate it, the King James chose and the New King James, peace on earth. And goodwill toward men. But guys, if you look at the New American Standard, it says that on earth, peace among men with whom he is pleased. The NIV says, and on earth, peace to those whom his favor rests. The New Holman Christian Bible says, and peace on earth to people of his favor. Guys, listen. It's talking about the goodwill of God toward us. Peace on earth. And goodwill toward men. If you're under the goodwill of God, you're going to experience the peace he's talking about. If you reject God, if you reject what he did when he sent Jesus, and you don't believe Jesus is who he says he is, the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, prince of peace, and you don't take that into account, the goodwill of God is not over your life. You're rejecting it. Friends, listen, he's talking about those who believe what he's done. Goodwill toward men tonight. The Messiah has been born. The Savior has come. And he's here to give peace and cause peace upon the earth. Think about it. There's peace that we all have already if you're saved. Hold your spot here because we're going to turn back. Turn with me to Romans chapter 5. I don't know about y'all, but I'm so glad today that I'm not at enmity with God anymore. That I'm not against God. God is not against me. He's for me. But there was a time in my life and your life when I was a sinner. I was in a rebellious transgressor to the laws of God and the heart of God. And he was broken towards me. And he looked at me as an enemy. And he loved me. But the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 5, verse 1, Therefore, having been justified by faith, to be justified means to be declared not guilty. And we're all guilty. We're all bad children. But look at what he says. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Friends, listen. When you accept the gospel that Jesus died for you on the cross and that he rose from the dead to live for you as your Lord and you submit to that. Friends, at that moment when you say, I'm a sinner, I deserve judgment, I'm guilty. But by faith, I believe what God done through the coming of the Son who was born of a virgin. The Son that was given to me and to the whole world on the cross as a sacrifice, as an atoning payment for your sins. To help to pay for your transgressions against the Holy God. At that moment, he looks at you as justified by your faith and trust. Trusting in what he done. And friends, there's peace with God. You're no longer against God. He's no longer against you. If God be for us, who can be against us? And you can never ever be separated from the love of Christ ever of God that is in Christ Jesus ever again. I don't know about y'all, but there was a time when I didn't have peace with God. I was at odds with God. But Jesus came along, and now I'm at peace with God. That's an internal peace, 
and an external peace. It's an assurance in my heart and your heart if you have him. And it's also a peace in heaven with God, our Father. But guys, listen, the peace is not only with God. Once you receive the peace with God by letting Jesus save you from your sins and come into your life, now you have available to you the peace of God. It's an amazing thing. You see, you're never going to experience the peace of God until you make peace with God and you get saved and you, you become forgiven and your sins are removed and he reconciles you. Look at what he says right here. He says in verse 2, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand. If any of us stand in front of God, before God, and we're right with God, it's by grace. And that's what he's saying. Through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And look at what he goes on and says. He says in verse 8, But God demonstrated his own love toward us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Not when we got right, not when we changed our hearts. No, while we were at our worst, Jesus died for us. And look at what he goes on and says in verse 9. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, that's Jesus' death on the cross, we shall be saved from what? Wrath through him. You see, there was wrath on us before Jesus made peace with us for God. And look at what he says. Verse 10, for if when we were enemies, you mean we were all enemies with God? Yes. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more now having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And guys, you know what I've come to find out? When you're reconciled with God and you no longer fear God and you know that God loves you and that God has done the most amazing thing to reconcile you, to bring you into a relationship with right standing, he's connected you, he's brought communion with you, his spirit lives in you, his word speaks to you. When you pray, you can tell he hears you, you get to talk to God and there's a relationship because you've been reconciled. It, it creates something, my friend. It creates a trust in him. It creates a dependence in him, a hope. And friends, that's what God brought and that's where peace comes from. Peace does not come from our ability to do things to please God, from our ability to be religious and righteous. No, peace comes from him and our hope in his ability to do what he said to keep us reconciled. Friends, I don't know about y'all, but how many of y'all would be honest enough to say that sometimes anxiety slips in your life? That you worry. That you're burdened with the uncertainty of tomorrow. Anybody who doesn't say that today must have his head in the sand or he's spiritual more than I've ever been. Because, friends, listen, it's one thing to have peace with God. He did all of that. But it's a whole other thing to have the peace of God within your heart and in your mind. Turn with me to another place. And we're going to go back, I promise, and close out. So don't lose your spot. But turn with me also to... To um, Philippians, Philippians chapter four. In Philippians chapter four, look at what Paul says in verse four. When you get there, say Amen if you're following with me. 
If y'all think it's harder for y'all to follow in the Bible, it's a lot harder for me to write handwritten notes on a piece of yellow paper. So we all doing good. Amen. <laughs> but you know what? God been preaching for a long time before we had all the stuff we take for granted to make it easy. And he gave you a Bible for a reason. That's why I say bring them to church with you. Amen. Because you know we're going to get half of a sermon's intention when you don't have your word. The word is given to us for a purpose. And listen to what he says in this word. Verse 4, chapter 4, Philippians. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say rejoice. You see, if you've been made right with God and now you have peace with God, you're going to rejoice. Because I don't remember. Do you know what it means not to have peace with God? Hell. Wrath. Judgment. You know what it means to be right with God? Acceptance, reconciliation, a relationship where the everlasting Father loves you, where he's the mighty warrior God who protects you, and he's the wonderful counselor who speaks to you every day. And do what? To produce peace in your life. He's the Prince of Peace. And friends, I'm going to tell you what, Jesus is the source of all peace. He's the one who puts peace in a troubled heart. He's the one who takes a rattled mind and takes his word and gives it understanding through his wonderful counsel. He's the one who can take every enemy you'll ever face because he's mighty God and overrule and reign over that trouble. He's the everlasting father who will never forget you, never turn from you, never ever quit loving you. And he's determined as the prince of peace to give you what you can never find on your own. Perfect peace. Do y'all remember what Isaiah said in Isaiah 22, 3? I was telling it today. He said, that's one of my favorite verses. He said, he will keep you in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him because we trust in him. Think of that. He will keep you in perfect peace. I don't know what perfect peace is, but I know God has it. And he says, if I keep my mind stayed on him and I keep trusting him, he will keep us in peace. Friends, you know, it's hard to believe this, but when we're under the goodwill of God, when we are under his favor because we believe in him and we trust him, friends, you can have peace in the midst of chaos, you can have peace in the middle of trials and tribulations because peace doesn't come from without. Peace always comes from within. And God puts it in there. And he doesn't have to fix all of your circumstances to give you that peace. He comes in the midst of the storm, in the midst of the chaos. And when you believe in him and you trust him enough to pray to him, to bring your request to him and your supplications to him, the Bible says that he's able to guard your heart and your mind. Friends, that's worth celebrating. Amen? That ought to make somebody in here shout this morning. Makes me wonder if you know what I'm talking about. Because listen what Paul says. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. He's saying the Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, with a, a, a grateful heart, you're rejoicing because you got peace with God. You've been saved. Let your request be made known to God. 
How many of you prayed all week? How many of you pray every day? How many of you get time with God and say, I rejoice in you, Lord. You came to me. You were near. Your hand touched me. You changed me. You're in my life. And I got peace with you. But, Lord, now I need the peace of you. Because, Lord, I'm struggling. So I'm bringing this request to you. If you don't have that need, come be a pastor. It'll make you have it. Amen. You'll call on the name of the Lord. And look at what he says will happen in verse 7. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. I could preach till Jesus comes back or y'all get up and leave and never explain to you what it feels like to have this peace beyond understanding. But how many of you can hold up your hands and say, it's real. It's available. He can do it. You know, I don't want to embarrass Bart, but I was talking to Bart, and Bart was talking about when he went to have his surgery, and I said, Bart, it was weird. When I had my colon removed, I said, I was laying there, and I, I can say I was totally at peace. And he said, I know. You see, in the things that we're out of control of, the things that we have no control of or understanding of, that's what I think the peace beyond understanding is. It don't make sense. You're laying there wondering, how could I be like this? I ought to be worried. But in your heart, you're really not. My mind ought to be racing and thinking about all the bad things that could happen. But it's not. I can honestly say when I rolled me off and the last time I looked at Diane, I was thinking, if I don't get to see her again, I know who I'm going to see next. It's going to be Jesus. And then I'm going to see my daddy. You know, I don't want to leave yet, but there's worse things can happen. Peace beyond, but that's not the only peace I'm talking about. I'm talking about peace when life doesn't go the way you intend it. Something unexpected happens and something rattles you and your heart does get disturbed for a season or for a moment and your mind begins to race. But all of a sudden, you keep your mind stayed on him. You stay focused on Jesus and you keep trusting him. And he is able to bring you peace. That's what I think perfect peace is. It's a perfect peace that the world can't have. And Jesus said, in the world you're going to have tribulation. But I give you peace. Not as the world gives you do I give you. But I give you my peace. I don't know about y'all, but we live in a world that needs a lot of peace. We live in a time when if you're a parent, you're going to need some peace. If you're a Child, you're going to need some peace. But guys, think about this. It speaks about more than even the inner peace of this peace that's in our hearts and in our minds that's guarded by Jesus. It speaks of even more in that passage. Turn back to us because we're going to close. This is unbelievable. That passage, what I've spoken to you thus far, has been fulfilled. We have peace with God through the cross. And we have hope of his glory through the resurrection. And we can have access to the peace of God through Jesus, our Lord, who can help us when we keep our minds stayed on him and we stay in his word and we trust his word and we, we believe by faith that grace that saved us can also keep us and give us hope even in the midst of hopelessness and we can have peace. But friends, listen, he's going to bring real peace one day. Not an inner peace, an eternal peace. He's going to bring peace to this whole world. Is that not something to 
hope for? We talk about the coming of Jesus, the rapture. We're going to get to be with Jesus. But he's not just coming to get us and take us to heaven and forget about all this down here. He's coming to get us. But with us, he's coming back. And friends, when he comes back, he's not coming back as the Jesus we met at the first coming. He's coming back as the mighty God. And he's going to display all his wonderful counsel. And this time, it's not going to be up to the Supreme Court to decide if it's right or wrong. It's not going to need Congress to okay it. He's going to be king of kings. He's going to sit on a throne in a place called Jerusalem on a holy hill in, in, in where the temple's at. And whatever he says is king is it. It's not debatable. And he's going to have perfect wisdom. He's going to be mighty God so he can do whatever he wants. But the amazing thing is he's going to rule from that throne with love as an ever-loving father. He's going to be a perfect ruler. And when he comes, the Prince of Peace will bring his peace with him. And he's so amazing. He's so unbelievable, God, that he will straighten up this world as if we know. They worrying about climate change. I promise you change is coming. The climate will change when Jesus shows up. You won't be worried about the thermostat. <laughs> because listen, he's going to change. They weren't about the temperature. Look at this as you come back. Look at what it says. It says in verse 6. For unto us this child is born and unto us this son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulder. He will take responsibility for the government of the whole world. And he will rule the whole world as wonderful counselor, as mighty God, as the everlasting father. And he will bring peace as the prince of peace. Look at what it says right after that in verse 7. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Look at what it says. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward even forever. The seal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. If the seal of the Lord of hosts said he will perform it, you better get ready. It's going to happen. And friends, listen, when he comes back, as hard as it is to believe, he's going to rule and reign with an iron hand. He's coming back on a white horse this time. He's not riding in on a donkey. And he's coming back to take his creation back and to rule and reign as king of kings and lord of lords what will it do what change will that peace bring flip with me to chapter 2 of, of isaiah like i said isaiah's got more messianic and millennial y'all heard of the millennium the millennial reign that's the next big thing that's going to happen when jesus raptures us out of here when that seven-year tribulation is over and the world is judged who rejected god who didn't want god and he comes back for that second coming and he lands upon that Mount of Olives and he crosses over that Kedron Valley and he enters into that eastern gate and he sits upon his rightful throne in Jerusalem on the Temple Mount and he will rule and he will reign and he will be king of all this world that's left. And the Bible says that in those days, look at this, this is unbelievable. Look at chapter 2 of Isaiah. The word that Isaiah the son of Amos saw concerning Jude and Jerusalem. And when it says Jude and Jerusalem, it's talking about all of the Jews. Look at what it says in verse 2. Now it shall come to pass in the latter days. It's talking about the end times. That the mountain of the Lord's house. Where's the mountain of the Lord's house? I've been there. I've seen it. The temple mount. And the mount of Jerusalem. Look at what he says. That the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established on the top of the mountains. 
and shall be exalted above the hills. And all nations shall flow to it. Every nation left will come to this king, will come to his throne. Look at what it says. Many people shall come and say, come and let us go up to the mountain of God, to the house of the God of Jacob. And look at here. Here he is, wonderful counselor. He will teach us his ways, and we shall walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth his law, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. That's wonderful counselor. He shall judge between nations. That's mighty God. And rebuke many people. And look at what the people's going to do. Man, we worried about nuclear warfare. Somehow it's going to get disarmed. Look at the terminology here. He says that he shall judge between the nations and rebuke many people. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares. And their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation. Neither shall they learn war any more. You know why? Because none of them can fight this God. And friends, listen, this is what he's eventually going to do of the house of Jacob. Come and let us walk in the light of the Lord. Friends, not only is he going to change how we act, turn with me to Isaiah chapter 11. How many of you have ever had a hard-headed dog? You ever heard to say a dog just does what a dog does? How many of you buck hunt? They'll frustrate you, amen? A buck just does what a buck does. But guys, listen. He's going to change the very characteristics of animals. Look at what it says right here in verse 11. Chapter 1. Therefore shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse. He's referring to David's father, Jesse who was the father of David, the Davidic king. And Jesus is the offspring of Jesse and David. And a branch will grow out of his roots, talking about the root, the the heirship of Jesse and David. And it says in verse 2, The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding. There it is again. That's that wonderful counselor. The spirit of counsel and might. The spirit of knowledge of the fear of the Lord. His delight is in the fear of the Lord. He's talking about the Messiah. And he shall not judge by the sight of his eyes, nor will he decide by the hearing of his ears. But with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips he shall slay the wicked. Friends, that's the mighty God. And listen to this. Righteousness shall be the belt of his loins and faithfulness the belt of his waist. And guys, look at this. You've heard this before, but none of you's probably ever cro- properly applied it to the situation of the coming of Jesus. In those days, the wolf also shall dwell with the lamb. The Bible uses the wolf and the lamb as a picture of us to beware of the wolf. If the lamb of God, it's lambs of God, because the wolf will devour us. But when Jesus comes back, the wolf's going to lay with the lamb. And the lamb's going to be safe in peace. Look at what he goes on and says. The leopard shall lie down with the young goat, the calf and the young lion and the fatling together. And a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze. Their young ones shall lie down together. And the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play by the cobra's hole. And the weaned child shall put his hand in the viper's den. They shall not hurt nor destroy 
in all the holy mountain. For the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Guys, that's a picture of the perfect peace that God is going to accomplish over this world. And friends, listen to this. It shall come to pass in that day. I'm sorry, verse 10. And in that day there shall be a root of Jesse. We shall stand as a banner to the people. For the Gentiles shall seek him. And look at what it says. And his resting place shall be glorious. His resting place. You know what I find? Rest and peace is very compatible. Amen. He's going to bring peace where we can rest. And friends, I don't know about y'all. That's what's coming. He already came and provided peace with God if you want to get saved today. You can give your heart to Jesus. You can confess you're a sinner and you can trust in his son who was given for you. The child who was born of a virgin, sinless, who lived the perfect life as God, as, as the child born of a virgin. I mean, as the son of God and as the child born of the virgin. And you can be saved and you can be at peace with God. Your sins can be delivered from you and taken from you. It's as if you've never sinned. He'll move them as far as the east is from the west. And you can have peace with God. But it's not something you can fake. you got to really do it. And then if you're saved this morning and you're a child of God, then you have an inheritance. You have access to the peace of God to help you in whatever situation. But friends, there's a coming day where it won't be an internal peace. It'll be an external peace. It's hard to believe, but all this stuff that keeps us worried every day will be gone. The only thing we're going to be thinking about is Jesus is on the throne. Jesus is in charge, and the wonderful counselor's got it figured out. The mighty God will make it work, and the everlasting Father loves us with an unchangeable love, and the Prince of Peace has come, and I'm putting all my hope in him. How about you? You can wait, and it'd be too late, or you can get it all done today. But I don't know about y'all. Christmas is a wonderful thing to celebrate because he came. And if he came once, he told me he's coming again. And I don't know about y'all. I find myself looking for him more and more each day. Our hope is not in money. Our hope is not in another Herman. Think about this. There's people on this earth everywhere today that you can follow on social media who have everything the world has to offer. They have money. And they have, from the money they have, the ability to buy and to have anything the world offers. They have fame. They have popularity. They have a following that everyone looks to them and thinks about how wonderful it is. So they got money. They got popularity. And with that money and that popularity, they can do anything and go anywhere they want to go. They can buy anything that's available to buy. But there's one thing everywhere I look they can't find. Peace. Peace. They committing suicide. They divorcing. They fighting. They always never have enough. They always looking for more. You know what I found? When you get right with Jesus, he's enough. There's always a hope for a bigger boat or a better buck. But if you don't get him, it'll be all right. Because Jesus is in your heart. This morning... When we celebrate Christmas, whether the tree is big and lots of presents or the tree is little, and there ain't but one. If that one present is Jesus, if it's his salvation, his peace, 
Friends, you can celebrate Christmas. Can I get an amen? But he still blesses. He still gives. He's still an unbelievable God. Why? Because he is the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father. He is the Prince of Peace. And I don't know about y'all, ever since I met him, things have been better. Amen? I want to encourage you today to get your life to him. If you've never been saved, we're going to sing a song right now. Jonathan's coming up. This is your chance. No better Christmas present you'll ever get than to be saved this morning. What a difference it will make. And maybe you're saved today, but there's things in your life that's robbing you of joy and peace. You know, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, and peace. And you need to commit to that today and let the Lord have his way in your life. Friends, I don't know about y'all, but if you keep looking around out here all the time, you're going to be disappointed. But if you'll start looking about what he's doing in here, he'll bless you today and give you peace. Would you stand with me? I'm going to pray, and then we're going to respond. And one day, everything that we wish was different about the world that we live in is going to be fixed, and it ain't going to take Donald Trump. It's going to be Jesus Christ, and he's going to make all things right. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for the hope of glory that we have in Christ. That, Father, in his grace, we stand with the ability, Lord, to receive his help. The goodwill of God over our life that brings peace to all men who believe in him. Lord, I thank you for saving us. I thank you for the ones who know you. And, Lord, for the one who's struggling this morning, I pray that you'll reach down in your love, everlasting Father. And you'll give them counsel. You'll fight their battle. And Lord, just the Prince of Peace, you'll give us that peace that we so much need. Oh God, we love you. And we thank you for who you are and what you do. And we just ask your blessing over this invitation. In Jesus' name, amen. People are already praying. If you need to come, come and pray. Make those supplications to God and let that peace of God enter into your heart. I have decided